Turn back in your Bibles to Romans 13. Kent read this passage to us a little bit ago. And in this passage, especially in verse 12, is our theme verse, our motto, as we call it, for this year at the end uh, of that, and uh, at the end of verse 11, excuse me, now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And this, of course, is the Sunday we've selected for our anniversary celebration for Faith Baptist Church, seven years old. Uh, we have seen in these seven years uh, adults and children saved and baptized, though we have to still borrow a baptistry down the street uh, to baptize in. We've still seen that happen. We support 10 missionaries that we uh, send out and support financially, and uh, we're more than happy, of course, to be able to do that. We've saved $200,000 in a building fund, though we're in a rented facility now. The church will one day have its own building and, and facility. We've expanded these so we have a place to eat lunch uh, next door. We're glad for that. We'll, have, we'll see our seventh Bible conference, seventh annual Bible conference this, this uh, October. And in all of that, we have, if I may say, graduated 16 of our saints on to glory. Uh, and uh, that is part of what we're here for, right? Uh, to uh, see us go to our eternal reward and meet our maker in the way that uh, we want to do that. And so praise the Lord for those things. Now, in that uh, motto that's at the end of verse 11, uh, our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Uh, it speaks of urgency, you know. Uh, things are, are uh, coming to the end. Our salvation is nearer. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is closer than it's ever been, and so time is fleeting for us. It speaks also of danger, because there are the works of darkness. Uh, there is this world that we live in that will grow worse and worse as we get closer to the return of Christ. But it speaks also of provision. We have an armor to put on. We have the Lord Jesus Christ himself to put on and wear. And we'll see that as we think about that. You know, it's interesting to me that Paul uses prophecy, uh, eschatology, uh, things to come, if you will, as an incentive for the Christian life. It's an incentive for us to think that our time is short, to think that the Lord could return uh, at any time, for us to be living as we should as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a common theme, you know, throughout Scripture, uh, we're to be also ready as we think not because uh, uh, his coming is soon. Our redemption draws nigh. The judge stands at the door. There will be a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God at any moment. And even so, John says, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, the Bible is full of these kinds of admonitions. But this is most appropriate here because it talks about darkness and light. It talks about two opposite things. We are children of the light, and yet we live in the darkness of the world. But the darkness is almost over, and the light is coming quickly. The darkness can only last for a short time, but the light will last for eternity. That is the admonition for us to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, this world is the only uh, world that has any happiness in it for anyone who does not know Christ as Savior. 
but the world to come has an eternity of joy for those who, don't, who do know Christ as Savior. This passage, and Kent mentioned this to us when he read it, is in the middle of a lot of admonitions to the believer. So you have to understand this great book of Romans spends the first half of this book telling us how to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells us what our sin is. It tells us what justification in the blood of Christ is and how much we need that. And then he takes the second half of this book, which we're in the middle of here, to tell us as children of God how to live. If we don't know Christ as Savior, we have a hard time putting these things into practice. If you do know him as Savior, uh, this is our guidebook for these things. So Faith Baptist Church... Uh, exists at a late hour, you might say. Uh, the Lord could come in our lifetime. The Lord could come while Faith Baptist Church is here and operating. Many churches have come and gone through 2,000 years, but we're here, and many other churches that believe the Word of God are here. So we're here for a purpose. We're here because it's God's will that we accomplish certain things on this earth, and we're waiting for Him to come at any moment. I think waiting for him to come at any moment, I, I happen to think when I was a boy going to elementary school, uh, the William McGuffey Laboratory School was on the campus of Miami University in Ohio. And I went to that school, dad taught at the university, mom taught at the high school. And so after school, uh, my parents would say, wait at the front door, we'll be by sometime. <laughs> Well, they were both teachers, and they never knew exactly what their schedule was, and either dad would come from this way or mom would come from this way, but it was my job to stand at the front door of the elementary school and wait for them to come by. And sometimes it was pretty quickly, sometimes it was a long time. But I knew my responsibility was to wait, and they might be there momentarily, it might be a long time. And the Lord has said, you wait, you wait by the door, I'm coming and you never know exactly when. Your job is to be ready and to be prepared for my coming. I want you to look at your bulletin because you have here uh, three expressions taken from our verses that uh, really uh, hit the nail on the head, I think, when we're talking about what Paul says here. Now again, from chapter 12, 13, there's these admonitions to Christian living. Chapter 14, 15, and 16, more admonitions to Christian living. And so in the middle of this, verse 11, he says, And this, knowing, no, notice it's not, now know this, it is, of course you know this. Of course you know these things are true. And so, knowing these things here are some things you need to be doing. It's a good admonition to us individually. It's a good admonition to Faith Baptist Church. And so I've put the three uh, admonitions here simply as it's time for us to wake up, it's time for us to get up, and it's time to dress up. You know, what a great uh, analogy Paul uses here. Notice uh, right in verse 11 is high time to awake out of sleep. And then in verse 12, cast off the covers, you know, the fruit, the, the works of darkness. And verse 14, uh, get dressed, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, boy, we, we uh, live through this analogy every day. You did it this morning. <laughs> you were in bed, you were sleeping, the night went by, morning came, it's time to get up. It's time to wake up, time to get up. 
And evidently you did it because you're here today. Uh, so you know what this is. You know how to respond to admonitions like this. So let me point out a few things under each of these thoughts. First of all, in verse 11, knowing then the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. When he says it is high time, uh, it's, it's kind of like saying it's the hour. This is, as someone put it, in the nick of time. Someone else said it's the midnight hour, you know, or the 11th hour. It's late. You've slept too long. It's time to get up. The alarm clock has been going off for a while. Are you, are you one of those who uh, you wake up and the alarm clock's been ringing for a while because you haven't even heard it? The alarm clock's going off. It's time to wake up. Now, keep in mind, he's writing not just to people who sleep every night. He's writing to Christian people who live in a dark world. And he's saying to Christian people, don't sleep through this. You have things to do. Wake up, understand the night, and understand the day, and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, he says it's time to wake out of sleep. This is always interesting to me because I'm aware that, that in English we have one word, sleep. But in the Greek language, they had three words. And the most infrequent word for sleep is the word that is used here. It's only used six times in the New Testament, and it means a deep sleep. It's used, for example, when uh, God put Joseph to sleep, Joseph the uh, husband-to-be of Mary, and then gave him the revelation of the birth of Jesus. It's used of Lazarus. Though he was dead, Jesus said uh, he sleeps. He was in a deep sleep. And uh, uh, in a funny story, in Acts, uh, this is used of Eutychus. You remember the little boy who sat in church up in the loft, and he went into a deep sleep and fell out of the loft onto the floor, and they took him up. He was dead, and Paul brought his life back to him. Uh, I hope none of you fall into such a deep sleep in the next hour. But this word is only used a few times to describe, I mean, a deep sleep. And what is he saying here? Church, are you in a deep sleep in the hour in which you live? This day in which you live? No doubt the church at Rome had their own darkness, didn't they? This, this uh, Roman culture that they lived in and this Greek culture was a terrible culture to live in, an immoral culture. And he's saying to the church, wake up. Do you understand that you are asleep in a time when, when I need you and I need you to be awake? And no doubt he's saying that to Faith Baptist Church and every church that exists today that is in this dark world. Wake up, church. It's time for us to do the work of the Lord. And then thirdly, he says our statement, the reason is our salvation is nearer than when we believed. It's kind of like saying it's high time. Wake up out of sleep. It's already too late. You've got work to do and you're late. You remember how Paul said to the Corinthians, upon whom the end of the world has come. Do you realize the end of the world has come and you're still asleep in this world? If you understand the rapture of the church, that Christ could come and take his church out at any time, then we know that it's later than it's ever been. That it could come at any time and we have to be ready for that. 
if you die before the Lord comes, then are you ready for that? That could come at a moment's notice. That could come today to you, or it could come at the end of your life. When uh, Rachel and Temple sang that song, the second verse that they sang said, Brethren, see poor sinners round you, uh, slumbering in the brink of woe. Death is coming. Hell is waiting. Can you bear to let them go? I mean, the world is dying. Uh, hell is swallowing up those who go on without the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't let that happen. So let's wake up. You know, when I was in college down here in Springfield, uh, I, uh, my last year of college, I rented an apartment with a good friend of mine. He and I had been in the church youth group together uh, when we were teenagers, but he went to the university at SMS, and I went to the Bible college, uh, Baptist Bible college, but we rented an apartment together. But our schedules were different because I had to be uh, at class every morning at 7 o'clock, and we had no classes in the afternoon, so I was always done by noon. But his classes were all over the place, sometimes early, sometimes late. So uh, he had to set his alarm clock and make sure he got up in time. But Gary didn't always make it. And I, I can remember one time when I came home and I park out on the street and we lived in the second story of the house that, by the way, used to be my grandparents' house. My uncle bought it and then he rented it to us. But we were living on the second floor. And as I parked and I walked up the long steps on the outside of the house, I could hear the alarm clock going off. And I'm thinking to myself, Gary must have gone on to class and forgot to turn off his alarm clock. I opened the door. No, nope. <laughs> Gary is asleep. His hair is blowing in the fan and the alarm clock is going and he's in a deep sleep. And it's way past time for him to be at class. And so I go over there to him. <laughs> Gary, you got to wake up. And you know that feeling. What? What? Where? What time is it? And he had slept through everything. I have this mental picture in my mind of that's what it's like for a Christian to not realize what's going on in the world in which we live. What? What? These things are happening? The Lord will wake us up one day and say it's late and later than it's ever been before. So in verse 11, simply, it's time to wake up, church. We need to do that. But secondly, in verses 12 and 13, it's time then to get up, if you will. And I take this from the expression, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us cast off these things. Now, l let me uh, point out a couple things about these two verses. He begins by saying the night is far spent, the day is at hand. It may still be dark outside, but daylight's coming. You must have been talking to some early risers. Did you ever know dairy farmers? I always felt sorry for dairy farmers. Any of you, or any of you a dairy farmer? I mean, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., they get up and go out there and start milking those cows. And I'm thinking, 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., the night is far spent. The day isn't here yet, but it's at hand. It's almost ready to start. He expects you to be an early riser when it comes to knowing the things of this world and a Christian in this world and what we're supposed to be doing. N uh, night, darkness always represents this present age and Satan's control over this present age. Now, here's your, here's your grammatical detail for today, if you will. You notice three times you have here in verses 12 and 13, let us, at least I'm reading the old version here, let us. 
uh, sometimes we call this the lettuce patch. You know, here, here's another lettuce patch in the Bible. But these, if you will, are called hortative in the grammar. That means they are exhortations to you. Hey, it's time to get up. Aren't you going to get up? It's an exhortation. Now, in the detail of that, it's called an aorist subjunctive middle. I, I know you love these things, and I do. That's why I'm giving them to you. Let me, let me remind you of this. God inspired his word, and he inspired not only every word. I'm talking the original languages, of course, but also every letter of every word because in those languages, how the word is spelled depends on the tense, the mode, the voice, and all of those things. You know, uh, we, we have to use different words. Uh, I went, I go, I will go. You know, all that the Greek had to do is change one letter at the beginning or ending of the word, and it changes everything. And so when we look at words like this, every letter matters. It's kind of like saying, now it's time to wake up, aorist tense. It's a subjunctive. Won't you do it? Won't you wake up and go to work? And not only that, but the middle voice, do it yourself. Can't you do it yourself and get yourself out of bed? <laughs> you, ever, you ever have to say that to somebody? And so let us here is not quite as, as forceful as it will be in verse 14 when he says, let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll get back to that one later. But here you have these exhortations. Christian people who know the Lord Jesus, you ought to be able to take exhortations from the Word of God. When God says, won't you do this? Don't you love me? Kind of like when he said to Peter, Peter, don't you love me? Peter says, well, you know I do. Then feed my sheep. That's an exhortation. And he's saying that to all of us in this dark world in which we live. And so, three things here under time to get up, if you will, from these two verses. Throw off the covers, put on your clothes, and go to work. <laughs> all right? Those are the three thoughts. First of all, throw off the covers. And so he says here, cast off the works of darkness. Are you so involved in the darkness of this world, you've gone to sleep to the things of the Lord? Now, you know what covers are like, right? You had to do this this morning. Oh, you can think of that December, that January morning when your house is kind of cold and, boy, you've got those covers over you, and now it's time to get up. And the hardest thing in the world is what? Throwing those covers off to the side. And it was hard this morning. And you're comfortable. You're warm. Everything is nice. Why does that alarm have to say now? <laughs> And if you're one of those that has a snooze alarm, it's probably worn out on the top of your alarm, you know. Another five minutes, another five minutes. Why? Because you hate to throw off the covers. Christians live in a sinful world, and sometimes we hate to throw off the sin. We're comfortable with it. We kind of like it. It gives us a warm, cozy feeling. And so we don't throw off those covers as we should. But he's saying to us here, throw those covers off. The battle's half won when you do that. <laughs> you got to get up. <laughs> you got to go do something. And so throw off, cast off the, the works of darkness so that you can do the work of the Lord. Secondly, put on some clothes. Now, we were going to be told twice to put things on, once here and once in verse 14, 
But here, simply, let us put on the armor of light. How many times does the New Testament speak to us about we're soldiers? We're in a war. We're, we're in a fight. Maybe that doesn't sound right to the ears of this world, but it does to us as Christians. We know the battles that we fight. We know Satan is our foe. We know sin is real. And he, and he didn't just say put on play clothes of light. Put on armor because it's tough out there. And where you're going and where I'm sending you today, you need the armor. And so we can go back to Ephesians chapter 6, and we have a belt, and we have a breastplate, and we have shoes, and we have a shield, and we even have a helmet, which means to us as Christians, you have truth, a belt of truth, put it on. You have a breastplate of righteousness, put that on today. You have a shoes that are shod for the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have a shield of faith, and you have a helmet of your salvation. Put these things on because you're going to need them today. So put on the clothes. It's not a cakewalk. It's not easy. And then, thirdly, go to work or get to work. Notice then, lastly, in verse 13, let us walk honestly. The old version has honestly. One translator had it becomingly. Walk as it becomes your faith. Walking is the most common expression for the Christian life in the New Testament. You walk. You walk uprightly. You walk with a goal in mind. You walk with balance. You walk with your eyes open. All of these things about walking are here in the New Testament. Walk honestly. Uskema, good covering. Walk honestly. And so uh, we know what that means. We know how to walk honestly. But notice here he gives us the negatives. You know, sometimes we don't like these negatives uh, in the New Testament. But notice, not in these two things, not in these two things, nor in these uh, uh, two things two or three couples of things that we're not to do. The Bible often does that. And folks, how we need that. I mean, you need to know the yeses and the noes. You need to know what to do and what not to do. Any job that you've been trained at, any sport that you've tried to get ready for, there's things to do and things not to do. It's just the way it is. And to a soldier that has armor, put on things, don't put on things. So let me just mention real quickly these three things, rioting and drunkenness. There's enough of that in this world. There's all kinds of things you can go riot about and I guess get drunk about. But don't do it, believer. It's part of this world and it's not something that's going to help you. Chambering and wantonness. The word chambering is an old English euphemism for sexual intercourse. The Greek word here has it no other way. It's just that we don't always know how to express this in English. Uh, so the old word chambering, in other words, things that went on in the bedchamber, the chambering around. And folks, I tell you, it's a disease today. Americans chamber around, if you will, like rabbits in a field. It's amazing how uh, people just jump into bed with one another these days, dating and young kids and, and adults and all the rest. It's amazing. What he's saying is, believer, the world is full of these things, and you don't need this. 
Be careful. Put on the armor of light instead. And then thirdly, uh, at the end, strife and envying. You know your heart. You know what comes out of that heart of yours and that mind and that mouth and all the rest. Don't let there be strife and envying. You know, in, in Galatians 5, chapter 5, he gives the contrast between the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. Remember that? And they fight against one another. And, and one of the longest lists of the works of the flesh is in Galatians chapter 5. The works of the flesh are these, and it begins to list them all. You know what the first two words are? Adultery, fornication. As a matter of fact, when you look at different lists in the New Testament, first at the top of the list, adultery, fornication. Don't do these. And then at the bottom of the list, you know how he ends the list? And such like. Oh, you say, well, the, my particular sin's not on that list. Oh, yes, it is, because Paul said, and such like. And everything else that's like this, you know the difference. You know these right and wrong things. You know, one of the worst cities to live in in Paul's day was Corinth. Corinth was a wicked city. Uh, though it had the temple to Aphrodite and they pretended to be religious, that later excavations, 20th century excavations of the temple of Aphrodite basically showed it to be not a religious temple but a brothel. They could tell that this is all that went on in this temple. This is all that went on in these places that pretended to be religious. What a shame it would be for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be uh, in a similar condition. And so it's time to get up, throw off the covers, put on your clothes, and get to work. Do these things. Walk honestly in the day. But we're not quite done yet. We have one more. And I have it in your note there. It's time to dress up, if you will. And so now he says again, put ye on, but notice what he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So put on, wake up, cast off these things, put on these things. Now, I told you this is a little different than the words put on before. Those words were hortative. Those words were uh, exhortations. Now we have a command. Now the expression put on comes in the form of an imperative. You do this. You put these things on and specifically put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say, he's not talking about justification here. He's already talked about that in previous chapters. He's not saying, you, you get saved right now, though he could say that. What he's saying is, you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, so he is your example of how to live. Put that on. A command. Did, did your mother ever lay out clothes for you to wear? I don't, you know, I remember Ann doing this, especially on Sunday, not always during the week. Uh, you know, I grew up with three boys and one sister, and so she had to get these commands from mom. You know, boys, we wore anything. But, uh, you know, if mom lays out your clothes and you come upstairs with different clothes on, what happens? I told you to put those clothes on. Now get back down there and put on them. I remember once when our younger daughter uh, was she could drive and so she came to church in a dress that was unacceptable and I remember she met mom at the door and mom said you turn around and go right back home and put on the right clothes and come back to church 
those poor preacher's kids, you know, they, they have to suffer all the time. But she did it. And you know what? I found out when mom uses your full name, you're really in trouble. If mom said, Rick Condren Schrader, <laughs> I told you, <laughs> okay, I give up, whatever, don't kill me. You know, because when she uses my full name, you're really in trouble. Notice what Paul says. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. With all his attributes, with all of his honor, with everything these names mean, the Lord is the Lord of your life. He's the ruler of everything in your life. He is Jesus, your Savior, the one who died and shed his blood for you. And he is the Christ, the reigning king, the one who will reign forever, and you will be with him. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's the epitome of the weapons of light. I want you to hold your place here and go forward to 2 Corinthians. It's not far, just two more books. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have a familiar passage, but I want you to read a few verses with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, remember these words where Paul is now saying, verse 3, if you will, our gospel, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. So verse 4 says, in whom the God of this world, small g, meaning Satan, of course, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now notice, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ, Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our light. He is our, our clothing, if you will. He puts on his righteousness over us. It is in him that we live out these things. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. Know what his will is. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice also in our verse 14, back to, uh, to our chapter, that you put him on and you don't put on the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Christian, you still have the flesh. You still have an old nature. You still have this body that you have to live in. And it has certain desires and wants that are not in God's will. That is not what God wants you to do. And we read six of them up above. These are not things that God wants you to do. Notice the word provision. We might say forethought. You know, you have the word vision, and then, then you have the word pro. Pro means forward. Vision means to see. You know what we go about doing? We make provision. We make forethought for the flesh. Now, if you were going on a camping trip, you would make provision. <laughs> you'd take provisions for your camping. You'd take forethought. And you'd say, well, I'm going to need a sleeping bag. And I'm going to need a tent. I'm going to need this. I'm going to need some food. And I'm going to need my fishing pole. I'm gonna... And so you would have a list of things you've, you've made provision for. And what he's saying is, do you do that with the flesh? You wake up in the morning and say, you know what I'm going to do today? 
You say, you know, if, even if, 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 I, if the Lord wants me to go that way, I'm going this way. I know my friends are going to ask me to do this today. You know what? I'm going to go with them. You make provision for thought for the flesh and not for the things of God, not to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thirdly, I'd say, be an overcomer today. At the end, he says, don't fulfill the lust. Be an overcomer of these things. Wake up and say, Lord, if the world is pulling me to the left, you show me that and let me go to the right. Give me the strength to do the right thing today. It's a day of darkness, and I don't want to walk in the darkness. Let me walk in the light. It's a daily battle. And let me tell you, there's a fulfillment of the flesh around every corner. You don't have to look very far for that. It'll come. You determine to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. So, have you ever overslept? <laughs> you know that feeling? You know that feeling of waking up all of a sudden and knowing you slept too long? You know that, that, that feeling of uh, forget, forgetting an appointment? And you look at your watch, oh no, I was supposed to meet so-and-so an hour ago and I haven't done it. You know that, that kind of a feeling? That's the kind of feeling that Paul is saying, don't get caught that way spiritually. Don't wake up all of a sudden and say, oh, I woke up too late. Oh, I should have thought of this beforehand. Oh, I shouldn't have gone down this path. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have thought this. I shouldn't have looked at this. I shouldn't have done this. Paul doesn't want you to have that feeling as a Christian. Rather, wake up, know it's time to get off, throw off the covers, get dressed, and go about your business for the Lord that he wants you to have. Now, as I said at the beginning, he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to Christians who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. That means you've been saved from your sin. The Holy Spirit has come in and taken up resident inside you. Jesus Christ is now your Savior and Lord. That wasn't true before you came to know him. But now that you know him, you can do these things. He's not saying something that's impossible for you. He's saying something that ought to be easy for you, ought to be your life and the pattern of your life. So do that and let the Lord have the victory in your life. Stand now with me, if you will, as we stand at the end of our message and we'll go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll sing a song together. While we're standing, let's, let's pray together and let me direct our thoughts to the Lord. Father, we thank you that we know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that day that we accepted him, that we reached out to him, and he forgave us of our sins and came into our heart and lives within us. So, Father, as, as we, as your believers here in your church, in a church that is seven years old is all, a church that has a future, Father, we pray that we would not be asleep in this world. Help us as Faith Baptist Church to always be a church that honors you, that's fully awake, that knows what it's doing in this world. And Father, I pray you would have your will, your way, and your victories in us. So speak to every heart this morning, whatever we need, and whatever the Lord has uh, spoken to each heart. I pray that, that each person would respond in the way uh, that you we would have them respond. So bless as we sing, may you be glorified by it, in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, our invitation's always open. I give an invitation every time I speak, and